welcome to London Film Club with me, Arazu Baker, for your weekly look ahead at movies hitting the big screen in your capital this week. I am joined today by David Brake, our resident reviewer, and our weekly guest blogger, Clarice Lockery. Let's kick it all off with Warcraft. It is a film that has been plastered all over our buses, all over our commute. Well, there was no hold back on budget on this one, clearly. What did you make of it? Well, as you say, there's a lot of budget gone into this, yeah. and some of the CGI shows is pretty impressive. But uh, there's a lot of it, which means that it, the film sort of is a bit weighed down by it. I know, you kind of get hammered in the head by it, don't you? It's like, yeah, effect, it... effect, effect. And I think the thing is, the CGI in itself is all great and good, but if you don't really have, like, anything emotional to cling on to, it just mm. starts It just starts feeling like an assault a little bit. It's a bit <laughs> yeah, it's a bit on your eyes. Like, and the problem is, is that... One of the main problems is that uh, Travis Fimmel, who's the lead actor, yeah. he's he's been in Vikings, the Amazon TV show, he's... He's an Australian, but here he has some sort of weird Scandinavian accent. I was, he's Australian. I thought he was Scandinavian. Like, he's, so actually, he's, and he's <laughs> sort of doesn't... He wants to be Aragorn, but again, can anyone be Aragorn? Viggo Mortensen? And the answer is no. So I think that's what the yeah. film sort of falls upon a bit. I totally agree with you. I just don't think he carried it well enough. It was just mm. too intense. No. He needed that bit of heart, yeah, and he and didn't get it from him. Yeah, although I... I wonder whether there was that much to play with with that character, because yeah. I feel like all the characters were quite just loosely developed, kind of yeah. like, you're the magic person, you're the warrior. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's just <laughs> so <laughs> much world-building. That's the mm. problem. It's so desperate to create that franchise, to make it into a proper Lord of the Rings thing. It is. It creates so much world, so many characters, that a few of them sort of get lost, and only really Paula Patton actually stands out, which means that sort of you're left with the... And the Yorks. I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. left feeling a lot of empathy and sympathy towards the Yorks, which is crazy, because they weren't even real. Yeah. yeah. So you wouldn't expect that. But do you think uh, kind of the lack of heart comes from the way they've directed it? Mm. Or do you think it's because it came from a film rather than... I mean, a, a game, sorry, rather than... Yeah, well, I'd say that, I'd say that I th when you watch this film, even when you see all its flaws, like, you can see that Duncan Jones, the director who did Moon and Source Code, he's put so much heart into this. It's a really earnest mm, film. Yeah. That, that doesn't make it good. Like, it just means that you can see someone's trying. It's not through lack of care that the film doesn't necessarily succeed. Yeah. It's, it's more of a sort of... It's just so much of it. There's so <laughs> much to do. He's quite... He's, like, a massive fan of yeah. Warcraft. And I think <laughs> this clear, film yeah. is almost a lesson of, like, don't get the big fan to make the movie because it's Blindsided. so inside a lot yeah. of Warcraft for yeah. someone who, I mean, I'm, I would say I'm very literate in fantasy, like I love Lord of the Rings, I love Elder Scrolls, like yeah. gaming fantasy mm. stuff, but yeah. this film... But do you not feel it kind of appeased the little five-year-old inside of you? Because I feel like me as a five-year-old would have loved it. I would have yeah. just been like all over that. I liked the Griffin. The Griff I would watch yeah. a spin-off of the Griffin, just flying about, to. just doing stuff. <laughs> cool. Well, in one word? A bit confusing. Uh, overstuffed. Confusing <laughs> and overstuffed. <laughs> well, with that, let's move on to the second release of the week, which brings us a massive slice of Gosling and Crow in Nice Guys. This mismatched pair investigate the apparent suicide of a fading porn star in 1970s LA. <laughs> this one had us a bit divided, didn't it? Well, it, not divided in slightly. The, we all agree that it's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. But the yeah, main thing is, is that you're slightly wrong <laughs> in thinking that <laughs> Russell Crowe's not good in this film because he really is. Like, Russell Crowe is no longer Maximus. He does not have that body. And I think See, he I can't accepts shake that. that off about him. But I know he's just like this gruff, big Australian guy. He's like accepting the kind of, you know, funny, rough, you know, middle aged man role. He's well, I'm not going to allow myself to be bullied by the two of you and be outnumbered. <laughs> I stand this? my ground. I no, don't no, think no. he was... I mean, Gosling, 
Yeah. God. Was oh. amazing. I have Funniest not seen him this funny far. ever. But he is just so natural. It's like laugh, laugh, laugh. He's brilliant. It's almost like a crime that they've not tapped into that before. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the same watching it. And hopefully in the future. Like, I'm hoping for long, a long comedic career now. Just yeah. Forget yeah. about drugs. Stop doing drama. Just do comedy. Because he's exactly. crazy, stupid love, but he's, this is the best, funniest he's ever been. And I'd say, like, we keep, the chemistry between uh, Crow and Gosling is ridiculous. It's just, it's almost instant. You know, you think they've been oh, friends no, for years. Oh, no, down to opinion. <laughs> oh, come on. But let's talk about the hidden gem in the film. Yeah. Andrew Rice. Andrew she Rice is, is ridiculous. She's she is, just stunning. She, the 13-year-old girl who plays Gosling's daughter, she has got such a huge career behind her. Like, in front of her, sorry. Like, she's, she's just... She's calm, she's funny, she's wise beyond her years, never comes across as patronising or forced or as if the filmmakers are forcing her to do a role that she doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. She's it's just excellent throughout. It's natural. Yeah. And it, to think that she's Australian. I mean, I had <laughs> no idea until... Now, that is an movie. example of a flawless accent. Forget Warcraft, like, that <laughs> is how it should be <laughs> But she, she's huge. She can't yeah. wait to see well, more of her. A, a massive kind of success of the film is also the script, which is down oh. to the director, Shane. Yeah. Yeah. Which you got to meet. How was he like in person? It was absolutely incredible to talk to him because, you know, he he has this incredible CV behind him. And, you mm. know, if you're thinking of things like Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and now The Nice Guys, yeah. he is just such a talent in creating these mm. characters that you should despise, but you just love. You just can't <laughs> yeah. help. You're just like, I love these people. They're yeah. so terrible, but I love them. I and know what you mean. So it's great to kind of talk about that kind of side of it and, and well, how he Kind managed. of show you here what he has to say. Yes, yeah, that'd oh, be great. Dude. We had had this notion a long time ago, back in 2000, that, you know, we had seen far too few private detective movies, and we thought that we liked those, and we wanted to see more. Um, at that point, we sort of said, well, listen, how about if I do kind of my thing and you do yours? We'll each write a character. We'll each take on one. And then we'll just throw it together, and magically it'll be a script. <laughs> that never worked. Uh, so what we get is eventually banging heads together these two characters that we can now pretty much insert in any venue. That was a script was set in current day uh, and it got no traction. We tried it as a TV show at one point on towards 2005 or 6. Nothing. And uh, finally we did a version in the 70s. We could do a medieval version. That's how well we know these characters by now. It's been 13 years that we've been toying with the idea of using them in a detective piece. Then magically, thanks to the perseverance of Joel Silver, the producer, I get a call, uh, we try one more time to push it in 2013, and here comes Russell Crowe's people say, you, uh, w w w maybe Russell would like to do it. We said, Rus Russell Crowe? And they said, yeah. He goes, no, no, that's, that's the gladiator guy. They said, yeah. They go, Does he want to do a comedy? And they said, yeah, he's very funny. We said, oh, yeah, well, why not? Especially because it's a thriller, mostly, you know, and has to have a very organic, sort of heartfelt, kind of real acting to it. Um, so by the time I get to Australia, he's ready to say no to me. He's decided, yeah, he doesn't want to do it. But Ryan Gosling, in the meantime, while I'm in the air, has said he likes it. And he'll do it, because he wants to work with Russell. So Russell says, you know, Shane, I just, I just, I, I have some problems with the script. And I said, yeah, I know, I was talking to Ryan about him. He says, R who? I said, well, Ryan Gosling, he wants to do the movie. He goes, right, you know, the script's okay, actually. And he just, boom, it, it was a, he heard Ryan Gosling's name and he said, if that's in, if he's in, I'm in. Uh, and the problem, by the way, he still had notes and he still had great ideas, but as soon as these two heard of each other's interest, it was, I'll do it if he does it. 
And so after 13 years of development, this thing came together in basically 48 hours. It's just very strange how that works out. Such a cool dude. No yeah. surprise that he came out with a script like that. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's such a nice story as well. Just because he yeah. doesn't want to work with Ryan Gosling, so it's just kind of a nice yeah. story how it came what kind together. Of he, did he get into his future projects? What's he doing next? Yes, yeah, so the big thing he is doing next is this Predator sequel. So we don't really know that much about it, about it so far, but I did kind of ask him, like, oh, what's it going to be like, you know, mm. making a Predator film in, you know, 2016, yeah, 2017? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is that like? But it was in the original as well. So he's like, he's yeah. part of the family. And, you know, like, the nice guy script is so good. And he's just got history of sort of buddy comedy scripts. And that's kind of what Predator is in a kind of way. It's like that gang he's, fighting the so Predator. So he's definitely the right man for the job. Oh, by yeah, far. Absolutely. Back then and in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, let's have a look at Race. It is a yeah. nice-looking film. I, my, this is my thing. It's a nice film. This is, this is, now. Do you, you know, not do well with nice, no, David? No, here you go, right. Whenever you describe a situation, you say it's excellent or bad. When you say something's called nice, you're kind of like, eh. No, you're thing basically is, Marmite. Love it, it way. Do. <laughs> no, listen, the reason why is that it's, it's Stephen James and Jason Sudeikis are really good in the cast, and it's, 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 it's the story of Jesse Owens winning the medals, but it's all surface-level stuff. Yeah. That was my problem with it. It was never, I don't know about you, I never felt like I understood why Jesse Owens ran. I... Yeah, there's a lot of it that feels very superficial, biopic, yeah. like, just run, you're, it's not in the leg, yeah. it's what's in your heart. Yeah, it's just like, we, we, you know, it's 2016 now, and maybe I've seen too many films almost, like, if, my, if someone else wanted to see this, <laughs> and you'd never seen a biopic, you'd go, what's wrong with it? Yeah. You no, know, there's nothing wrong, because mm. it's an honourable telling of his story. But it did tug on the heartstrings yeah. that little bit, didn't and there's it? One cold. thing I really <laughs> did quite like about this movie is, I think, with this story, there is a tendency to kind of make it good guys versus bad guys. Like, yeah. it's America versus, ooh, evil Germany. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And there was this nice kind of sense of context to it, being like, well, America at that time, you know, wasn't yeah. the, the wonderful good guys where everything was accepting and wonderful, and so it was kind of mudding that water yeah. a bit, which yeah. was kind of nice and... It, it was a way of making it patriotic without nice. kind of sanitizing nice. history. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, what American it's just film like isn't little... made patriotic? Let's be. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, the thing is, it, this is the story of a man <laughs> who went to a country that was killing black yeah. people, you know, ruthlessly, and won four gold medals in their backyard. That's a pretty cool story, like, and it's true. And you can kind of make it more exhilarating than nice. I know what you yeah. mean, but we did get to speak to their daughters and get kind of their thoughts. Mm. He was a very even-tempered person. He was a good friend. He was a very loyal friend. And um, I think that it did depict his character, and Stefan James played it so well. Uh, he did a great job. I think what you'll f see in the film is a great education, uh, perseverance, and a good human nature. Well, they mentioned the lead character there, Stefan James, yeah. and there's no doubt that he, he was great in it. He's but great. for really me, great. Jason Sudeikis was the surprise. Yeah, I would say that's completely fair. Like, yeah. a lot of Jason Sudeikis' career has either been, like, the jokey dad, the jokey friend, the jokey middle-aged man. So it's kind of nice to He's not just been see the him be... man. Yeah, just not to... Basically, <laughs> <laughs> the man. Basically, yeah. someone who's, where he doesn't have to do jokey yeah. jokes, where he can actually act, dare I say, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think he's quite good in the role. Him and Stefan James are probably the best parts of the yeah. film for me. Yeah, that's true. absolutely. I really like Stefan James. I think he was really great in Selma as well, and I, I, it's kind oh, of the yeah, kind of actor yeah. that you just hope. I, I want to see him again in more stuff, like, let this not be the only time yeah. we yeah. see yeah. him. It's funny, because this is kind of like the role reversal of Gosling. 
Because that yeah. was the yeah. serious guy doing ha ha, and then now it's yeah. just yeah. Yeah. And, doing the different. And it does show that if you get the right project, and you know, yeah. you can actually achieve that. So I don't think necessarily Jason Stecker has been lazy in his career, but I mean, you stick to what you're good at, and he is a good comedian, you know. Yeah. But I think this is a nice sort of showreel, and I think that's largely what race is. It's a good showreel for James <laughs> a and Jason. <laughs> Sorry. Well, if you had to kind of put it in one word, would you would you go and see it again? Uh, be they, brutal. No. Probably not. I enjoyed watching it, yeah, but it's it was, not something I'd it be was desperate nice. to revisit. <laughs> it was nice. I think that is it the one nice. word. Nice. 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 Right. <laughs> that, that, that is our review of race. It was nice. <laughs> right, well, finally, we are coming to Sundance 2016. Bringing the best of the annual festival from across the pond to our shores, it has landed in London. Sundance is a massively exciting time of year for all filmmakers because it kind of gives this amazing platform for the next generation of successes. And here's Ben Travis with a quick rundown of a few of the success stories from Sundown in the past few years. Here are five classic indie gems that you might not know emerged from Sundance Film Festival. Number one, Reservoir Dogs. Strutting straight into the Film Hall of Fame in devastatingly cool slow motion, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs was the talk of Sundance in 1992. The film was snapped up by Miramax, launched old Blabbermouth's career and the rest is history. At number two, Clerks. Kevin Smith proved that you could make a film for $27,000 with his debut Clerks. Clerks? Clerks? However you want to pronounce it, it's 94 Sundance debut set Smith as one of the most important voices in early 90s indie cinema. And at number three, The Blair Witch Project. Infamously spooky snotfest The Blair Witch Project debuted as a Sundance midnight movie in 1999. It was promptly picked up for a million dollars, which isn't bad for a film that cost 60,000 to make, but it went on to pull in almost 250 million at the box office. Number four, Little Miss Sunshine. Both heartbreaking and feel good, Little Miss Sunshine proved a smash on release, but its arrival at Sundance was the last grab for the little indie film that could, which produced independently after years of studio turmoil. Fox Searchlight eventually got it for just over $10 million, and it went on to receive four Oscar nominations. And at five, Whiplash. Snare-type musical thriller Whiplash only hit UK screens in 2015, but initially drummed up support at Sundance. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, it's an instant modern classic and won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for J.K. Simmons. Not, not quite my tempo. So there you have it. If you want to find out your favorite film of next year, Keep an eye on Sundance, kid. There are some brilliant examples in there. I mean, who can forget Whiplash? Mm, that was film. like award, great award, film. award. It was huge, and the <laughs> thing is, it came out a year before it yeah. was actually nominated for all those Oscars, and it began at Sundance. Exactly. And as is the first chance you'll get to see the films that everyone's talking about come award season, we wanted to give you a preview from this year's festival. So the first one is Indignation. It is a film based on a novel by Philip Roth. Set in 1951, Marcus, a working-class Jewish student from New Jersey, attends a small Ohio college where he struggles with sexual repression and cultural disaffection. This film has already received great reviews from, like, Berlin and the Sundance Film Festival. And, yeah, I mean, I got to speak to the director today. Oh, yeah. And he uh, was brilliant. This is his well, directorial yeah, debut, it is isn't it? Yeah, his debut. And, I mean, to start... Cos he's been a producer and been yeah. involved in Hollywood a long time. It's quite a bold thing to take on a Philip Roth novel as your yeah. first film. <laughs> yeah. But the, the buzz coming out of this is really strong. It's a really nuanced, intelligent film from what we're hearing. Yeah. And so it's great to see it here at Sundance London so we can see it so early. 
Uh, but I think the main thing outside of the director's skill is, is Logan Lerman. Yeah. Mm. That's the thing that everyone's going to be talking about. Well, Logan let's Lerman. see what, <laughs> what James had to say. Experience in any particular role or anything, if it's real experience, is going to help you direct. Uh, but as a producer, not necessarily. You know, uh, in, in fact, you, the opposite could be true. Your experience as a producer could hurt you um, as a director because you get on set and you think you know how sets work. You think you know what everybody's job is, and you think you know what you've got to do uh, to get through the day. It's such a different feeling being on a set. You get to be inside a world that you've created, and you have to have maintain absolute focus on just that. And so it's a quite a different experience of time, even. Just the temporality of it is quite different. He was clearly really passionate about his work. Yeah, it's really it, It's a breakout film, not just for him, but for the main character as well, yeah. Logan. Logan Lerman. I mean, yeah. like... We were saying beforehand, like, this is the boy who, well, then boy, who started in Percy Jackson and then has now moved up to sort of doing Fury last few years ago and is now apparently delivering this sort of quality performance in Indian yeah. Nation. And I absolutely love it. I think he just needs his sort of whiplash yeah. to really propel That's him. That's exactly and right. Hopefully That's this exactly will right. be it. Hopefully. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. There's such <laughs> yeah. a buzz around this film. Yeah, I mean... So the, hopefully. Yeah, because it yeah. was Shersha Ronan for Brooklyn last year and I think what we're seeing here, to give it a good comparison, is Logan Lerman for Indignation. Well, good luck to him for that. Wiener is our second film. Yeah, it's called Wiener. That was said correctly. <laughs> it is a documentary which gives us unrestricted access to former Republican Anthony Wiener, whose unprecedented sex scandal, yes, ruins his attempt at a political comeback as he runs for mayor of New York City in 2013. Now, this has already won a grand jury prize at Sundance, which is amazing for a doc. Yeah, it, um, was, it was voted the best documentary at Sundance, which is always a big sort of starting gun for you. And it just seems like it's just such an interesting thing. Like when you look at the trailer, when you're, you know, you sort of starts off as this sort of comeback story, and then all of a sudden you're in like a political car crash hurricane. It's amazing. Like it's just watched a really instantly watchable filmmaking, which is great. Mm. And uh, I think there's a film, like Netflix did a, a really good behind the scenes documentary with Mitt Romney yeah. a few years ago, and that was sort of very light. He's a family friend. But this one seems to be there. There's no family friendship here. This is all just about being in the moment, and I think that's what makes it really interesting. Yeah, I think some of the best documentaries are kind of luck. Someone who just happens yeah. to be in the right place at the right time, and everything is just kind of crashing around them, and they're there to capture it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does seem, it's just, he's such, he's such an interesting yeah. character, like with, uh, with Wiener, and then it's not just about Wiener, it's about his wife as well. Don't laugh at Wiener, come on now. <laughs> it's just okay. so ironic but that it's yeah. him for his story. Okay. But, those are our picks of Sundance 2016. A massive amount of luck to those. We yeah. are sure they are going to do well. That's it. Wow. That's our first show in the bag. Done. Whew. Easy. Catch <laughs> us next week where we'll have a new batch lined up for you and we'll be giving you our yays and nays of the week. We are going to be getting a complete mental bashing from a psychological thriller called Stanford Prison Experiment. And Melissa McCarthy shows us how to run things in the most unconventional way in the bus. But for now, have a great evening, and we will catch you next week.